better understand the Bible? How can you grow as a Christian and find personal peace? What happens at the second coming of Jesus? What is the relevance of Bible prophecy today? How do you identify a cult? What happens when you die? Here is your opportunity to find answers to these and many other questions by exploring 30 not only relevant but life-changing topics that await your discovery. Welcome to Search for Certainty. I'm glad you could join us. I'm your host, Gail Fong, and with me in the studio today is Hannah Nakagawa. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you, Gail. Our Bible study today is entitled The Mark of the Beast and the Mystery Number 666. It's a warning for today's world. The heart of God is filled with love for this planet A loving God sent his Son to redeem us. A loving, compassionate God reaches out to us in daily concern. A loving God is coming again for us. He will put an end to sickness, disease, sorrow, hunger, pain and death. God's love is revealed in gently pleading to our heart. It is also revealed in solemn warnings. The most solemn warning ever given to humanity is found in Revelation chapter 13. A crucial test is coming. The conflict will revolve around true and false worship. The central issue is the law of God. The book of Revelation reveals the plans of God and unmasks the delusions of the enemy. Our eternal destiny hinges upon the choices we make. Today's lesson will focus upon the final issue in the great controversy between good and evil. Before we begin our Bible study, Hannah, would you invite the Holy Spirit to guide us today? Sure, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we can study your words. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us. Please guide us, lead us, and teach us, Lord. And please speak to our heart directly. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, to begin our study, we're going to go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 14 and verses 9 and 10. What message of urgent warning does the angel of Revelation give? Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Hannah, that's a very serious warning. Mm. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand. So we would want to heed this because we certainly wouldn't want anyone or ourselves to drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Mm. Well, as the crisis approaches, what penalties will eventually be forced 
upon those who do not receive the mark of the beast. Revelation chapter 13 verses 15 to 17. It says, He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. Verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So Hannah, a great crisis is approaching Mm. in which everyone will be coerced through an economic boycott or under threat of death to receive the mark of the beast according to the scriptures. Now, those who yield to these pressures, both religious and economic, will do so with the clear understanding that they are violating the commandments of God. What will eventually happen to those who receive the mark of the beast in Revelation 15, verse 1, and then we'll read Revelation 16, verses one and two. Sure. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last pregs, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Chapter 16, 1 and 2. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angel, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a full and um, loathsome soul came upon the man who had the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. So, Hannah, the Bible tells us that those who receive the mark of the Mm. beast will be subject to the seven last plagues. That's right. Yes. Mm. Well, what is God's sign that stands in opposition to Satan's mark called? Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through to 3. It says... After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea or the tree, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So Hannah, the seal that God wants to seal his children with relates to God's law. Mm. If you would read for us Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16 and verse 20. Sure, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16 and verse 20. Yes. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So as we I began, I said the seal relates to God's law, mm. and you've confirmed that through the word. Yes. 
As an ancient king's seal contained his title and dominion, giving authority and making official his letters, so God's seal contains his name, title, and area of authority. In the Bible, a sign or seal is often used, that word is often used interchangeably. For instance, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 11, Hannah, if you would read that passage for us. Sure. Romans chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. So rather than unpacking the whole verse, we can see that the word seal or sign was used interchangeably mm. for uh, the, uh, that rite of circumcision there. Yeah. Well, according to Ezekiel 20 and verse 12, would you read that for us, Hannah, which pinpoints for us what God's sign is? Sure, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. It says, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctified them. So God's sign is his Sabbath. Sabbath. Mm. It is his seal of loyalty, revealing he is our creator and Lord. We find God's seal in the fourth commandment. So we're turning to Exodus now. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through to 11. Sure. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So this beautiful fourth commandment, Mm. we have there, the Bible says, for in six days the Lord... So there is his name. Mm. And then it says made. So he's our maker. He's also our creator. And here he made the heavens and the earth. And this is his dominion. Mm. So we have the three elements required for a seal. There's God's way and there's man's way. These signs represent two systems of religion. One initiated by God one initiated by human beings. One the way of truth, one the way of error. To every soul will come the crucial test, shall I obey God or shall I obey humanity? Mm. Well, what three things did the dragon or the devil working through pagan Rome bestow upon papal Rome its eventual successor? We're turning to Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. 
Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a brassman's name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So he gave him his power. His throne and great authority. authority. Mm. It was the dragon or the devil working through pagan Rome who tried to destroy Jesus Christ. And it was that same power that gave the beast its seat or capital city, power and authority. Nations don't do that very often. To whom did pagan Rome give its seat of government? How did it take place? History is clear. By retiring to the east, he, Constantine, left the field clear for the bishops of Rome. The papacy is but the ghost of the deceased Roman Empire, sitting crowned upon the grave thereof. And that's from Arthur P. Stanley, Lectures on the History of the Eastern Church, 1884, page 197. The papal system of religion is the one mentioned in Revelation 13. We must remember here that we're talking about a system, not about individual members of the system. Well, how else, Hannah, is this beast power identified in Revelation 13, verse 3 and verse 5? And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So, Hannah, all the world here is said will marvel. John saw all the world marveled mm. and followed the beast. beast. And this power speaks great things and blasphemies. Well, according to the Bible, Hannah, what is blasphemy? We go to the Gospel of John, John chapter 10 and verse 33. Yes, John chapter 10, 33 says, The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they accused Jesus of blasphemy. Yeah, yeah, making himself God, but he was God. He was in human flesh. What about Luke chapter 5 and verse 21? It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this? Who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Mm, Here, another blasphemy is to say that they can forgive sins. So true, Hannah. Here we find that if anyone claims to be God, that person commits an act of blasphemy. We also find that an earthly religious leader who claims the ability to forgive our sins commits blasphemy. Such a leader usurps the authority that belongs to God alone. Well, the papacy makes these claims 
Pope Leo XIII, who lived from 1878 to 1903 AD, declared, We hold upon this earth the place of God Almighty. Also, priests are called vicars of Jesus because they hold his place on earth. And also, let the priest approach the altar as another Christ. And also the priest holds the place of the Saviour himself when by saying, Ego te absolvo, he absolves from sin. And this is from, um, I may not be pronouncing this correctly, but Alphonsus uh, de Liguri, Dignities and Duties of the Priest on page 34. Well, what will this power do to God's people? Revelation 13, verse 7. It says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's a well-known fact that millions of martyrs have paid with their blood the price for faithfulness to God. Church history is filled with examples of such persecution. Well, how long was this persecuting power to continue? Revelation 13 and verse 5. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Mm, 42, 42 months. Well, these 42 months of 30 days in a month, that's going by a biblical uh, calendar, equal 1,260 days. In Bible prophecy, one prophetic day equals one literal year. And Hannah, if you would read for us just how letting the Bible decode this day for a year principle, if you would read for us Ezekiel chapter 4 and verse 6, and then also Numbers. We'll turn to Numbers 14.34. Yeah. It says, And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. Thank you, Hannah. And also Numbers 14 and verse 34. Sure. Numbers 14, verse 34. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. So this principle is only used when it refers to prophetic time in the Bible. The 1,260 days are actually 1,260 years. In AD 538, Justinian, the pagan Roman emperor, officially granted the Roman bishop the role of defender of the emperor's empire, the defender of heretics and defender of the faith. The papacy exercised great influence from A.D. 538 to A.D. 1798. In 1798, the French General Berthier, under orders from Napoleon, invaded Rome and took the Pope captive. The Pope died in captivity, thus inflicting a deadly wound 
on the papacy. Well, what does God say the number of the beast's name is? Revelation thirteen, seventeen, and 18. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has an understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. In the Bible, the number seven is used to communicate perfection or completeness. The number six is used to communicate the opposite imperfection or incompleteness. One of the official titles of the Pope is Vicarius Filii Dei. These three words are Latin for Vicar of the Son of God. Webster defines vicar as a substitute, a person who acts in the place of another. Since this is a Roman power, it's only logical that the method of computation would be in Roman numerals. Taken numerically, this papal title is seen to be 666. And one can go through the numerical value of each letter. Uh, v uh, is 5, I is 1, C is 100. There is no numerical value for A or R. Uh, I is 1, U is 5, and S has zero numerical value. So vicarious adds up to 112. Then filii, the F has no value. We've said the I is 1 and the L is 50, and the two I's are another one and one so that adds up to 53 and di the d adds up to 500 e has no numerical value and the i one that's 501 so when you add those numbers together 112 for vicarious filii 53 and di 501 it comes to 666 Well, putting all the evidence together, it becomes clear that the Roman system is the beast power of Revelation 13. In the Bible, a beast does not represent a person. It represents a political or religious power. Well, what does Revelation 14, 9 through to 11 warn us against? Hannah, if you would read Revelation 14, 9 through to 11. Sure, it says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worship the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, and he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Mm. So those who receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, Hannah, there they receive the wrath of God mm. and they have no rest day or night. Well, what does the Roman Church say is the sign of its authority? On January 18, 
1563, the Archbishop of Reggio made a speech in which he openly declared that tradition stood above the scriptures because the church had changed the Sabbath into Sunday, not by a command of Christ, but by its own authority. And that's from Canon and Tradition, page 263. The basis of papal authority, he declared, was founded upon the right to change the Sabbath from Saturday the seventh day to Sunday the first day. The church, says the Catholic record, is above the Bible and this transference of Sabbath to Sunday is proof of the fact. And that's September 1, 1923. In a letter written in November 1895, H.F. Thomas, Chancellor to Cardinal James Gibbons, replying to an inquiry as to whether the Catholic Church claims to have changed the Sabbath, said, Of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change was her act, and the act is a mark of her ecclesiastical authority. So Rome claims that the change of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday is a mark of its authority. In the future, church and state will unite once again in an attempt to enforce this mark. It is only at this point in the future when the issues are clear that the mark of the beast will be enforced. No one has the mark of the beast now. Well, what call does God give his people now? Revelation fourteen twelve, Hannah. Yes, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So keeping the commandments of God, having the faith of Jesus. Yes. Well, what is the basic issue involved in the crisis at the close of this earth's history? Let's go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Sure. Romans 6 verse 16. The Bible says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So God allows us to make a choice, mm. but we truly don't want to be slaves uh, to sin or death. Mm. Let's have a look, Hannah, at uh, Joshua. What did Joshua say in Joshua 24 and verse 15? Yes, he said, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Ammonites in whom land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he made a choice to serve the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. That there is a wonderful story in the Bible, a true story, in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, about the friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were brought to a, a point where they had to make a very serious choice. Mm. So I thought we could just have a look at that story before we conclude today. Yes. Uh, Hannah, if you would read for us 
from Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through to 7 to begin. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of God whose height was 60 cubits and its width was 6 cubits. Um, he set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to um, to gather together the satraps, uh, administrators, and governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the ma- um, magistrates, and all the officials of the providence to come to the uh, dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps and the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried loud, To you it is commanded, all people, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of a horn, flute, harp, lyre, and um, psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and language fell down and worshipped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Wow, what a test. Wow. These were Daniel's faithful friends. We're mm. not told where Daniel was, but obviously if he had been present, he, he definitely would have been brought to this test. Mm. It would appear that he was in another part of the kingdom. He's yes. definitely not mentioned here. Mm. But we find that Daniel's friends were there, and they were, Hannah, as you read there, they were to fall down and worship this golden image. Yes. In Daniel chapter 2, we learn about this statue, but in this chapter, it seems like all gold. Mm. That's an interesting point, Hannah, because God had given King Nebuchadnezzar this amazing dream in yes. Daniel 2, which mm. Daniel had interpreted. Mm. And he, his kingdom began with the head of gold. Yes. Mm. I guess that's why he decided to make a gold image. He did not want his kingdom to ever end. That's right. He didn't want the second kingdom, the silver part, would come. He wanted all um, um, gold, which is Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he sets up this uh, this image. Now, it's interesting because if we just were to go to Revelation 13 and verse 15 again, yes. Revelation 13 and verse 15... And you find there, Hannah, that as you read earlier, uh, that there is also a call to worship. That's right. I would read here. He was granted part to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So it's very similar that whoever who do not um, worship the, this image um, that was made by men, 
um, they will be killed. It's the same for Daniel chapter 3. Correct. Now, it's interesting because as we read on in back in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, if you would read uh, for us verses 8 through to 13. Sure. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forth and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, viol, and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery finance. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Mm. Well, I guess it's understandable. He doesn't want anybody that's not um, going to be absolutely loyal to him. Yeah. And by their, by their refusing to bow down, showed that these, these persons whom he had given great... Um, respect to in giving such a position of authority in his kingdom, they were not showing him their respect. Mm, yes. And King Nebuchadnezzar responded with this rage and fury, so he's very angry. He obviously was a very proud monarch yes. as well. Yes. Mm. Hannah, if you'd read on, what happens next? Verses 14 through to 17. Sure. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who would deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. What faith. Amen. <laughs> but what does the next verse say to Hannah, verse 18? Yes. Um, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Wow. So they were not going to change their minds. That's right. They had this faith that God would deliver them. But at the same time, they had um, more faith that even though he wouldn't, they would not serve their uh, false gods as well. They, mm. they were certainly sealed. Yes. Sealed with the Holy Spirit, mm. settled in God's word, yes. settled in their relationship with God. Amen. Wow. Well, 
powerful story and this is a true event that happened in history so Hannah what happens next verses 19 through to 25 then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then. These men were bound in their coats, their uh, trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselor, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. What an amazing miracle happened that day. What an amazing event to the glory of God. Yes. Not even their clothes smelt like fire. Mm. Even though these men who were putting um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they they were the ones who were burned and killed, but they were protected by Jesus. Amen. And just like Jesus said, he said, when you go through the, fly, through the fire, I will be with you or mm. through the flood. And God keeps his promises as he was with his faithful people in olden times he will be with his faithful people today amen and just as they were brought to that test of whom they would be loyal to we're told that a test is coming upon our world that's right hannah i rushed ahead there with their clothing but i I just love this story if you wouldn't mind reading verse 26 uh, through to 27 as well yes Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the um, satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not signed, um, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. What an amazing day that was Wow! to the glory of God because they were true and faithful. If God delivered them or even if he didn't, Mm. they were still going to be faithful. Yes. And we're told that this test is coming again Mm. upon our world, but not just on the plain of Dura. It will be a worldwide test Mm. because it says in Revelation 13.3 that all the world wondered after the beast. Mm. Well, Hannah, 
God loves his people just as God loves everyone, just as much as he loves Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in times past. There's a there's some counsel given in Revelation 18 and verse 4. You could read that verse for us. Revelation 18 and verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. God has people all over this globe That's right. that have not heard this message, mm. and God calls them my people. Yes. He speaks comforting words. Yes, he's calling them, come out of her. Yes, and follow him. Mm. Follow him who is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, amen. There's some wonderful promises in God's word. And as we cling to God's promises, as we take him at his word, he will see us through. But we need to make a choice. Mm. And just like Joshua made a choice, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego made a choice, Mm. the issue in earth's final conflict is more than a matter of days of worship. It is a matter of allegiance. It has to do with those whose side we are on. God invites us to decide to worship him as creator and Lord today and forever. Well, I pray this may be your meditative thought as well as your listening. By the grace of God, I choose to be loyal to Jesus and keep his commandments. I've decided to keep the true Bible Sabbath. I desire baptism in the near future. Shall we close in prayer? Loving Father in heaven, What amazing truth you have revealed to us today Mm -hmm. through Bible study, allowing the Bible and history to shape the meaning of the passages. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit teach us and guide us in the pathway of truth. Heavenly Father, your word is true. We do not need to doubt it. But we may need courage, Lord, to follow the convictions of our heart. We pray, Lord, that you give us courage, that you make it clear to us that as we seek and search for you with all your heart, with all our heart, that we would be settled in the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you may bless all of our listeners today. Guide them, Lord, and give them courage for whatever they're facing in their lives. We thank you that you are God, our God, who stands behind every promise. You will never fail us nor forsake us. And if we go through the fires of affliction, Lord, you promise that you will be with us. If we go through the floods, you promise you will not allow it to overwhelm us because you're there to uphold us with your victorious right hand. Thank you that we can find our comfort in you, our wonderful Lord and Saviour. Thank you we can find truth in your word because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a very big study today, Hannah. And it's been wonderful to study it together. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you'll come and listen again to our next Bible study. But till then, God bless you and go in peace.
you have questions or comments about any of the programs you've heard, you can call 3ABN Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 4973 3456. Our email address is radio at 3abn That is radio at the number 3 abn australia all one word dot org dot au our postal address is 3 abn australia inc po box 752 morissette new south wales 2264 australia thank you for your prayers and financial support
from Molly Fong's album Through It All, that was He Will Carry You, featuring Jana Lombard. And coming up next, the Hamilton family will sing The Just Shall Live by Faith. In the word I read of a mustard seed, faith is small, but God is great. My reliance lies not on me, but Christ, the just shall live by faith. Lord, I believe your promise I will trust in you. Help my unbelief. Though my grip is frail, yours will never fail. The just shall live by faith. In my flesh I see nothing good in me, only pride and fear and hate. in solitude Yet I pray I trust I wait I'll endure the night for of endless light The just shall live by faith Lord, hope you enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from LineageJourney.com William Miller was the oldest of 16 children and was born in Lowhampton, New York. His parents were Christians and in his home there were only three books, the Bible, the Psalter and the prayer book. 
He had an insatiable desire to learn and would read these over and over again, but his desire to learn would lead him to others in the area with more extensive libraries than in his home. He would borrow books and by the light of burning pine knots, he would read them late into the night. This soon distinguished him as one of the most educated people in his area, both of his own age group and those older as well. As William Miller reached the age of marriage, he met a young lady named Lucy Smith here in the town of Poultney, Vermont, a few miles from where he lived. After they got married, he moved here to this town and found out that they had a library here. Here he would spend hours day after day and was introduced to the writings of Voltaire, David Hume and Thomas Paine, all great deists. Deists believed that God created the world and set it in motion, but after that he took a step backwards, detaching himself from the everyday affairs of man. William Miller would go on to become a deist. In 1812, America was at war with England and William Miller had a strong sense of patriotism and like his father before him, he volunteered to fight for his country. In the town of Poultney where he lived, 47 men volunteered to fight on the condition that he would be their officer. Two things stood out in William's mind from this war. The first was when a shell, just like this one from the Battle of Plattsburgh, exploded within two feet of him and three other men. Whilst the other sustained injuries, he walked away unscathed. The second was the Battle of Plattsburgh itself. The Americans were heavily outnumbered. The British were much better trained and experienced, having just defeated Napoleon, yet they were soundly beaten by an army they should have routinely defeated. The protection and providence of God was vividly impressed upon his mind and was not something he could easily shake. returning to his hometown after the death of his father, he would sometimes attend church with his mother, his wife and his children. Whilst he was a deist, he enjoyed listening to his uncle preach and he also wanted his children to attend church. When his uncle was away, however, one of the deacons would read a prepared sermon and one Sunday he told his mother that he did not want to go to church because he found the deacon's reading to be boring. He did say, however, that he will be open to reading in the future if an opportunity arose. Like any good mother would, she arranged for him to be the reader the next time his uncle was away, and it turned out that the sermon was about parental duties and the importance of prayer. Whilst he was reading, he broke down crying, struck by the inconsistency, by the fact that he did not pray, yet he encouraged his children to pray. Suddenly, the character of the Savior was vividly impressed upon his mind, how he would atone for our sins and suffer death in our place. He later said, God opened my eyes and oh my soul, what a beautiful Savior I saw Jesus to be. He fell in love with Jesus and the Bible and this would take him on a journey that would go far in life.
The love of Jesus can melt the most stony of hearts. Whilst William believed in God, it was an impersonal God. Yet when he saw the loving character of God, it melted his heart and pierced through his logical and rational mind. Maybe you are someone or you know someone who has similar doubts that William had. Pray, pray that they may see the love of God. Pray that they may open their hearts and allow him to come in. To view more episodes in this series, visit lineagejourney.com. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Another psalm of Asaph is Psalm 82, and it is a plea for justice. God presides over the great congregation of his people. He judges even the judges. It appears you are judging unjustly and showing favour to the wicked. Instead, be the defender of the defenceless. Bring justice to the poor and the needy. Give freedom to those who cannot help themselves against those who would do them harm. They do not have the knowledge nor do they understand. They go here and there in the darkness as the very foundations of the earth are moved. I said, you are under judges. All of you are the sons of the Most High, but you shall die as other men die, falling even as those who rule shall fall. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations are yours. You have been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.